0: Hi friends, welcome to The Trauma Tapes. I'm Dr. MC McDonald, a PhD trauma researcher and life coach. It is my goal in life to reframe the way that we understand trauma. And I think if we want to understand trauma, we need more stories, more examples, an archive of trauma stories. But not just an archive where someone lays their story down for posterity and walks away, an archive that gives them something back, some attunement, some empathy, a reframe, integration. Maybe some little piece of knowledge or understanding so that they walk away feeling like the thing that makes the least sense in their lives makes just a little more sense. This podcast is That Archive. I'm here with my sister, Elizabeth Meadows. Each week, we read your letters and give you information and advice about how to understand and demystify your experiences and symptoms so that you can heal without shame. So pull up a chair, grab a coffee, and join us. Okay. Welcome to the trauma tapes. <laughs> how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I feel like we're fired up today. This is going to be trouble.
1: <laughs> I, I'm like fired up, but like scattered. I'm not fired up in an organized way,
0: but <laughs> maybe that's better. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Okay. So last week we did a tool. I just asked Lisa how she liked it because I thought she was going to love it. And she was like, I hated it. <laughs>
1: hated it. Hated every minute of it.
0: So The idea was to name, tame and befriend. So you kind of notice, take note of your emotional state, name them, you know, and then try to kind of make them into something that's tangible, right? So like, if you're feeling sad, what kind of sad can you imagine like a character, a Pixar movie character embodying that? And then you try, instead of waging war with it, you, um, you actually try to befriend it. We said last time actually we were I don't think we were recording but it was just like if you think of your emotions as friends like you have friends that you resonate with more and and friends you resonate with less especially when you're in like friendships that are kind of circumstantial right like school friends and stuff like that yeah but you would never like if a friend came into your house you would never be like oh shit you know <laughs> right here comes this guy right. you might think like oh man i don't know if i have the time for the kind of conversation that we're going to have to have or whatever but um, we're at war with our emotions and we don't need to be, you know, can I read that Rumi poem really quickly? Of course. This, I know I've read this before, but I think it's always worth going back to um, because this is what I try to, I'm actually going to get this printed out. Cause I think about this all the time. This is what I try to think about when I'm really struggling with my emotions. It's called the guest house. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in.
1: I love that. That's beautiful. I know,
0: right? Okay. What do you got? Why did you
1: hate it? <laughs> because I like I, I'm realizing that I have spent the majority of my life, you know, trying to obliterate emotions. <laughs> So like the idea game. of befriending them, naming them, welcome, welcoming them into the room is like completely, it's like asking me to like speak Greek. Like, I, 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 like, I really, really struggle with this. Yeah. I can't name it. I, I you know, and listen, I, I don't think it's healthy. I, I don't think it's serving me. I, um, yeah. Well,
0: it serves you sometimes, good. right? Like that's the thing. It wouldn't be around if it didn't serve you at all, you know? Right.
1: Yeah. Like I, I've been to, um, I've had a couple like medical procedures done recently. Um, and the doctor always comments on how stoic I am. You know, how I don't, you know, Yeah. what a good patient I am. And then yeah. I don't jump around and I just, yeah. you know, I take it and I, I don't react. And, yeah. You know, I
0: get that too. And I like rejoice in it.
1: I do too. I'm like, yes, that's right. I'm a tough chick, you know, like, like you know, I, and it makes me like proud a little bit, Totally. but then I think the flip side of it is that I, uh, you know, some things get so shut down Yeah. if I were able to name them and, um, accept them, Yeah. you know, but I started to say, I'm currently going to a physical therapist because I'm clenching my jaw so tightly that I'm causing TMJ. Yeah. You know there's a problem, right? Something's happening. Yeah. And this is just the um most recent manifestation because yeah. I've had things throughout my life, it's come out in different ways. Yeah. You know, so I realize this is something that I need to get more comfortable with, that I need to start do- doing. Um, but it is damn near impossible for me. Mm-hmm. I immediately go to like not this is what I'm feeling, but like, what am I going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's the reason and how can I destroy it?
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: I know. Right. Yeah. I know, listen, I think part of that's being Irish Catholic. Yep. I think <laughs> totally. that is the house that we were raised in. Yeah. Um, I, I think part of it is a rebellion in that, yeah. you know, yeah mom used to make a sit down and when we didn't want to sit down and talk about our feelings until, yep. you know, you wanted to barf. And yeah. so there's a part of me that's like, fuck you. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um, I think part of it's being from New England. I think. Like yeah. Oh yeah. Another part of it is, you know, 50 years of life experience. It's yeah. just like, yeah, it's who I am. And it's, mm-hmm. um it, it's difficult. And I keep thinking that I need to, I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. I need to go sure back not. and watch that Pixar movie. Yes. Inside and, um, out. Yeah. And I just need to, I need some balance in this part of my life. Yeah. Does that make any sense?
0: No, it makes total sense. You're actually not all all over the place at all. It makes total sense. I think a lot of people find themselves in that position for other reasons, you know? Like, I think the other layer of this is that culturally we don't, we don't talk about emotions and we don't allow them and we value powering through instead of sitting with, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so we don't, if you don't learn how to do this, how are you supposed to do it?
1: Right. I just, I immediately go into like attack mode. Like, I'm feeling this. Yeah. This is what I'm going to do about it.
0: Yeah. Well, I wonder if there, I wonder if there's a, like an intermediary that we can like put in there. So you don't have to try to get rid of that entirely, but you can incorporate it in, in a different way. You know what I mean?
1: Like a little bit of like a placeholder, like.
0: Yeah. Or like a problem solving aspect or something that makes you feel like there's still progress. Yeah. That you're not going to like drown in it, whatever it is. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And we've talked about whenever, you know, whenever you do sit with it. Yeah. That's like one of the beautiful things about grief is that you, you know, it is so overwhelming Yeah, that you can't fight it. Right. And when you sit with it in the moment, it is such an incredible release. Yeah. When you feel it and it moves through you. Yeah. And you let it go for that moment. It's just like it's a huge release. And yeah. I think the only time in my life where I was able to really be in touch with my emotions was in the height Mm -hmm. of grieving.
0: Yeah. Cause grief takes the reins. And so it teaches yeah. you how to let go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You have no choice. Okay. You know what I mean?
1: Right. I mean, it, it renders you like, you know, helpless lying on the floor, and, Yeah. but there's, that's not a bad, that's not always a bad thing. Right. So I, I don't know if it's just getting to an awareness of that or, or, you know, I
0: think also like, because of the cultural stuff around, there's like, um, kind of an archetype of like what it means to sit with or like sink into your body or something like that. Like, that's this very, like, I think of this, like, you know, pristine yoga teacher kind of bypassing kind of person. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Who's doing this. And it's like, you, it's really fucking hard. Like it's work to sit with. The emotions,
1: it is, and sometimes you just don't want to do it
0: right or can't or don't have the luxury or whatever. And I think, like, right, I was thinking about that this week too. I definitely, um, I, I've practiced this a lot, and I think I have really, really changed the way I relate to my emotions. And there's been tons of progress, and I still battle with them, it's still a battle. it's like, I feel like it's like a well-worn tool, but it's still hard to use. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so did you
1: notice anything specific? I I just, I just noticed that it's so difficult for me to name them Mm -hmm. that like, I started to think like, okay, maybe I need to like, take the words out of it and Mm -hmm. have it be like, like we talked about the mean reds from from breakfast at Tiffany's. I needed to be like, because the the two things that I experience, other than happiness and, you know, contentment and peace, which are beautiful things. Right. But the two like um, others that I experience are either, I guess, sadness slash fear and, um, you know, irritability, frustration, anger. Yeah. So I thought of the irritability, frustration, anger as red and the sadness as blue. Yeah. And just tried to like de- like, you know, lessen the the charge. Yeah, totally. Yeah, completely. It's,
0: um, it's important that the words come in at some point because that's the brain circuitry you need to change the way that you you're feeling to lessen the charge. Right. So the, the naming it is, is part of the thing that needs to happen. But I think starting with the color is a way of naming it. Yeah. So if you have to walk in that way, then that's completely fine, you know?
1: Yeah. I think I'm going to think about it that way. It it might make it a little more neutral for me.
0: Yeah. There's also sometimes when we don't have language for stuff, like we just run into a wall because it's like, well, I don't have language for this. I don't really know what to do. Finding a list. There's like an emotional color wheel that you can find and you can print that out and have it on your desk and look at it and see which ones just read through the list, go to the color because it's also like color coded, go to the color and then see which colors resonate and then figure out which words connect to the thing. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's, um, it, it, it's something I need to sit with longer and work on.
0: Yeah. What are you
1: thinking? <laughs> I, well, you know, it's just, it's super interesting. It's like, yeah, like, you've been, you've been on this, this path for a long time and, you know, it's time to maybe think of, start to think of things a little bit differently. And, yeah.
0: Or just go about the same thing with a different like hat on, you know what I mean like right. just an awareness
1: just right just, like it's not that I have to change anything just to like
0: right
1: an awareness right and it, you know, I don't think these things like happen overnight either. I think that
0: no, they don't, oh, my god,
1: you know like i i t- I know that I've talked to you in the past about like having to do certain things in order to maintain more of like an equilibrium, you know mm-hmm. meaning, like sleep, exercise, you know, yeah. Less alcohol, like you know, whatever it might be. So, like, I feel like I've kind of got a handle on that part of it. Yeah. And so now I might be ready to delve into the. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Is there one that comes up that you feel like you're railing against in particular, or is it like emotions in general? Because here's the thing, right? Like, the the emotions that you use as anchors—joy, contentment—the ones you mentioned a couple minutes ago—you can't selectively dampen emotion. You dampen emotion. And so if you're dampening and resisting grief and fear and irritation, you're also dampening joy and connectivity and all these other things. Wow. So the bonus of, of leaning into the negative emotions is that you'll feel a bigger spectrum of the positive ones as well. Oh, wow. So if you think about how much those anchor you and how beautiful they are, as you said, like they will just get like, it's like turning the knob. So they'll just get more intense. They'll just get louder.
1: Okay. Okay. I, to answer your question, I think the thing I rail against is the is the irritability, is the tendency to lash out. Yeah, you know. Although I I do it mostly in my head these days, <sighs> instead of outwardly. But you know, like you talked about dissociating, like yeah, you know, that can be your reaction. My my kind of immediate reaction is to just start swinging. Yeah, yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's shame here.
1: There's a lot of shame there. There's a lot of shame there. It's not someone I want to be, you know, I think that's how mom was wired. And yeah, I think that underneath all of that for her was a whole lot of fear. So,
0: yeah. Do you think that's the, that that's underneath it for you or something different or more?
1: I think that's probably underneath it for me.
0: Yeah. Fear of everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I remember mom, one time I was in grad school and she was, I was talking about anxiety and she was trying to understand, which is kind of funny because she of course understood. I I don't think she knew she understood or something like that, but, um, she was like, you know, is it like a half glass, empty half glass, full kind of issue. And I was like, I'm worried about the glass.
1: Right. Right. Like
0: I don't even get to the like optimism, pessimism part. Like that's not even like what that's a luxury. Like go fuck yourself. I don't care about that question. <laughs> right. Right. And she was. And I remember her laughing, but it was just like this fear, this anxiety is everything.
1: Yeah.
0: It's so prevalent, you know.
1: Yeah. And anxiety, you know, that that's like I, like sometimes I'm envious of of you and Jake because you're you're more comfortable with that word than yeah I yeah am, yeah, you know, yeah, which I yeah. think is generational, but um. Yeah. It's anxiety. You know, yeah. Fear and anxiety are, are yeah. the same thing. It's just but the, different. But
0: that's the mean reds. Like I was thinking about that again, after you said that from breakfast right. and Tiffany is like, that's, that's, so if you resonate with that and that's the language that you want to use to name it, then use that language. Yeah. You don't have to get comfortable with the word anxiety, you know?
1: Right. But it's not a bad word. It's just not, a, you know, I mean,
0: but if it doesn't resonate, then it doesn't have to be yours, you know? Right. like, Right. The idea is that you, you recognize, because think about this, like this is is going to fall apart, but like, if you're, if someone comes in the house and you don't even know who they are, you don't know how to relate to them. You don't know what to do. You just feel disoriented. Who the fuck is this person in my house? Well, blah, blah, blah. I feel like I'm supposed to recognize them. They're talking to me. Like they recognize me. I don't know what to do. That's the thing you're trying to get rid of. Right. That fundamental, like disorientation and response to your emotions. It's supposed right. to be like, okay. We've got sadness. Sadness just rolled into the room. I imagine like a blue blob. Yeah. You're like, okay, <laughs> here you go. Right. You know,
1: it's inter- it's super interesting. It is. It's um, yeah. There's a lot of layers to it. It's really self-contained is another word that people people have used to describe me. And like, I feel w- with some of these tools, like I'm like flayed open. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to put myself back together. <laughs> Yep.
0: (laughs) I don't want to be butterflied on the shopping block, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's, it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating.
0: It's hard. It's like, I get the the, the visual of like real uncharted, like desert, you know, you're just like, shit, I don't know where to go. I don't know how to handle this. I don't understand the climate. Like, yeah. You know,
1: yeah. It's terrifying. But
0: then There's on the other one. hand,
1: for like a, another tool that we talked about, like talking about the future, yeah. I'm getting like wildly comfortable with that. Oh, yay. That's huge. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I'm going to tell you a handful of years ago, I was in a the therapist's office, like sobbing because I couldn't I know make a will.
0: Yeah. Right. You know,
1: So now yeah. it's like, okay, not only can I do the nuts and bolts of it, I'm getting excited about things. Yeah. So, so, I, I'm not going to write off this last tool. I'm just going to sit with it for
0: a while. I have another tool. I know I said I wasn't going to do a tool today, but (laughs) the way you're talking about this makes me think of another tool, which we can use, Okay, which I'll get to in a second. Um, I was, I, I really do try to practice this all the time, but then when we are doing the tools, I try to be more mindful about it. And so it's like extra observer mode. And I was just noticing like in a, this is going to sound like I'm being like self-flagellating and I'm not, it's like, I am not as good at this as I thought I was. Mm -hmm. I'm still a lot of the time battling myself and the emotions that come up. And it's not, it's almost never the right thing in that moment, you know.
1: The what's not the right thing, the emotion or the no to battle
0: it, going to battle with it, you know. So it's like if if I notice, like on Tuesday or something, if I notice I'm feeling really irritated, like extremely irritated, very like prickly, angry, annoyed bothered by absolutely every encounter with anything in the world. Like, I don't want to feel that way. I don't know how to get out of it. It feels impossible to get out of it because it's so like all pervasive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I go to war with it and I'm like, I can't feel this way. I don't have time to feel this way. This is really not okay. You shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't treat people like this. You shouldn't be instantly irritated when someone says hello. Like that's not okay. You know what I mean? I don't like it when I am like this. It's like not pleasant. It doesn't feel good from the inside. It's not like it feels satisfying. You know what I mean? And so I go to war with it instead of being like, okay, you're super irritated. Why are you irritated? Where is this coming from? You know what I mean? Like not from a like an accusational place but just from like a place of like exploration like what does that irritability feel like and then i can almost always flip into like humor like it's funny it you know funny. right like <laughs> unless it goes too far it's like it's like kind of funny and then i will then once that space opens up i start to think like okay what would it be like if i just put everything down and took a 45 minute walk Let's just see. And I don't want to do it. And then I'm like kicking and screaming for the first 20 minutes of the walk until I somehow like forget to kick and scream. And then I'm like, oh, that was funny. You know, (laughs) like I'm like a literal, literal toddler being like, I don't want to take a walk, you know. Right. But then you do, and it makes yourself feel better. But I noticed then, then I try to circle back and say, like, okay, good for you. You like, instead of stewing in your irritability and really going to war with it, which is just another form of irritation you made yourself get out. Yeah. You made yourself pause and do the thing. And like, you feel 20% better, which is huge, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: And that's, that's a great thing, but it's the other thing that's kind of humorous to me is how like consistently surprised I am by how I'm feeling. Once I tune in, like once I turn on that radio station, it's like, Oh, car talks on again, even though it's like 11am and car talks on every day at 11am or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, "Oh, I'm sad." Like, uh, "Of course, dude." <laughs> like, "Why are you surprised? This happens all the time." You know, like and I kind of was wondering about that that the feeling of surprise, like what is that about?
1: Why are you so far removed from what you're Right. Saying? Yeah.
0: And so surprised by by what is completely
1: normal. Like is that another way of resisting it? I think it's a way of noticing it. Yeah. I yeah, I don't think you should judge this the being surprised. I think you should kind of delight in that. Like, oh yeah, okay. I, I'm yeah. paying attention. Right. It's just interesting. See, I get when you were talking, I I not only battle against it, I take it a step further and try to blame myself for why I'm feeling that way. It's like the um, you know, you're crabby because you had cheese. Like, right. oh my god. That's mom science for you. Exactly. Like, what have you, like, you're with the bad guy because you did something wrong. Right. It's like, not only do I feel lousy, now I'm going to take it down another level. Right. And I'm going to beat myself up for why I, for what I did. Right. To make me feel that way, which is like, right. Another layer of hell.
0: (sighs) What does that do? That makes us feel like we have control. That's why we do that.
1: Yeah. Well, guess what? We don't. Right, right. (laughs) This is this is a doozy, this tool.
0: I know. I know
1: so like you know oh yeah just name the feeling and like invite it in and da, da, right
0: da, da, da. well that's what i mean like it sounds so like hippy dippy like i should be able to do this if i just put on like a flowy skirt and like some incense or whatever then i would like <laughs> right. i'd be able to do it and it's like no that's fucking hard you're like oh shit this guy's at the door again what do i do you know like
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy
0: what do i do why is he here why am my friends with this bird you know like
1: right oh him again
0: right right oh, damn it i'm trying to think of ways to like tweak it you know, maybe pick one. So take irritation Mm -hmm. and just like, just think about that one when it comes up. Okay. And ask yourself like specific questions. Like, is it, they do this with pain management, right? So like it, this also works with chronic pain. If you have pain, they they try to get you to describe it. And one of the reasons they do that in the emergency room too, but in pain management, they do it because if you're describing it, you're, you're taking a tiny little step away from it, which actually lessens the pain. It changes the nerve signals. And so you, they ask you, like, if you have a migraine, is it like a sharp pain? Is it throbbing? Is it, does it feel heat? Is it, how would you draw it? Like, what is the you know, like, and it's you, when you're looking at it, you're stepping into the observer role, which lessens it. Okay. So I wonder if that would work too, if it's like, okay, if it's irritation, if it sounds like that's one that you like recognize. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> feeling it right now. <laughs> then you can say like, okay, is it, where does it, show up what does it look like is it pointy what color is it like is it big is it small is it everywhere is it you know what I mean
1: yeah
0: how would you make it into a Disney character if you had to make a Pixar movie about irritability what would the character look like would it have a briefcase would it be gray like you know what I mean
1: yeah (laughs) I could try that
0: (laughs) that's funny it does it really does work
1: no I believe you I, I promise.
0: I'm trying to think of how to get past the shame. The other thing is that like when you, when sometimes when you dig into this stuff, and you talked about being, you know, flayed open like that, you're like, oh, there's like six other layers here that I had not
1: mm-hmm.
0: realized that all connect back and like do this stuff, you know?
1: Right. And maybe like it, when you are doing this kind of work, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's okay to kind of dip in and out of it. Because yeah, oh my god yeah staying in it can be yeah, yeah destructive.
0: Yeah, I'm torn because I have two things now I hope now I want to use a tool, but I also have I want to talk about something that relates to that dipping in and out of it thing. Let me describe the tool really quickly. It'll take like just a minute. Okay. I think that's the way to do it.
1: <laughs> you could change your mind. it's okay.
0: And then I want to spend some time talking about something that relates to that um dipping in and out because that's totally true. And important. You can't, if you were going to run a marathon, you wouldn't just get up from your desk and run 27 miles. You know what I mean? You would, or 26.5 or however, however long that is, you would train. Right. And training involves resting. Okay. So the tool, sorry, I'm pulling up a keynote thing is, um, behavior chain analysis. Have you ever heard of this? Nope. This comes from dialectical behavioral therapy, which is called DBT, which is useful for all sorts of things. It's designed for really, really sticky problem behaviors. And the the reason that I'm bringing this up is because it's the, it's kind of designed to get you to see that you have more control than you think about things in your personality that you, you assume to be fixed. Okay. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think like... There's this interesting thing behind the discomfort around naming emotions that has to do with control. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so I think this might be like a a way in to give you a plan that makes you feel like you're in control in a way that actually puts you in control rather than puts you at this war where you're like, I'm in control, but I'm not. Okay. Or I'm behaving out of fear. And so I'm, I think I'm behaving to get control, but I'm not. Am I making sense? I feel like I'm not.
1: No, you are. Okay.
0: (laughs) So um, basically the idea is that like your change is possible, but you have to suspend your disbelief for long enough to like try, you know, and that's really tricky. We do that a lot. We're good at that. When you go and watch mission impossible or whatever, you suspend your disbelief. You don't sit there in the movie theater, like an asshole being like Tom Cruise could never, nobody could ever jump that far. And he's this age and he's actually that tall and bubble. Blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not, you're just like, Oh, cool. You know? <laughs> <laughs> So, we need to do that like with ourselves too, because we part of what we run into is we cut ourselves off before we even get started by saying, I, I'm not capable of change. We can't suspend our disbelief long enough. So, a chain analysis just lets you put a microscope to your behavior and figure out what components are contributing to it. Okay. And what components are actually contributing to it, not this like causal chain that you draw where you're like, I'm with the bad guy because I'm a bad person or whatever. Mm-hmm. but like, okay, why are you with the bad guy? What red flags did you actually miss? How did you miss them? What were you doing instead of, you know what I mean? And if you're in a bad mood, it's not because you ate a piece of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> cheese was a complicated thing in our household.
1: Cheese.
0: Yeah. Because it was like, you're cranky going to piece of cheese. You haven't had enough protein, but it was also like, you're cranky because <laughs> you ate a piece of cheese.
1: <laughs> I don't like cheese now. <laughs> Makes messages. <laughs>
0: Remember when we ate that whole thing of Borzon cheese in New York? Oh
1: my God. Bourzon is the best.
0: That was a bad idea. <laughs> okay. So the steps to behavior chain analysis are a little bit clunky, but we can use an example. So the first step is what exactly is the problem behavior that I'm analyzing, right? So instead of saying irritation, you have to be like, no, what exactly am I talking about? Am I talking about, I was doing this with a client the other day who's having an issue yelling at their kids, Right. So the problem isn't like widespread irritation. The problem is you're yelling at your children. Okay. That's the, okay. the problem behavior. What is the prompting event is the second question. And typically you go to like, well, they're being jerks, right? Or they <laughs> said that they don't like my food. I made this whole meal and they like hated it. And what the hell, you know, which by the way is super common. I have that conversation like four times a week. You do? Oh yeah.
1: Oh God. It I know. I feel better. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Cause it's like, no, no one's talking about that, but everyone is experiencing it.
1: Yeah. There were some bad moments around the dinner table, but... right? Yeah. At so one, at one point, sorry, I just have to no. tell the story. I'm like, Here's a white line sheet of paper. Here's one for you. Here's one for you. You write the things that you will eat until we get to five common things. And yeah. that's what we're having every night. <laughs> <laughs> and I
0: don't want your opinion about it.
1: Right. So this is what you've signed up for. We're having these five things on yeah. vacation. <laughs> but it's painful. And I don't think kids
0: like necessarily recognize it. it depends on their age, right. And everything, but like, they will, you will make a meal, you will go and shop, you'll plan it out. You'll make a meal. It's stressful. It takes a lot of time. And then they'll be like, it's okay. Uh,
1: it's uh, yeah. That like,
0: yeah. yeah. Or like everything off dad makes better food than you. Right. And it's like a dagger <laughs> to the heart. Like,
1: right. right. Sorry, not, no,
0: it's you. okay. It's funny. <laughs> Um, so the problem behavior is I'm yelling at my kids and I don't want to prompting event is they're, you know, bitching about dinner. And I just like, absolutely can't fucking stand it. Right. What things in myself and my environment made me vulnerable. Okay. So in that case, this is, by the way, you have to put shame like on a shelf when you do this, this is not about judgment or shaming yourself. It's about like exploration, like what's going on where you're bubbling up to the level of yelling. Because typically like when I see a client like that, they'll say, I can't help it. Right. It just explodes. And you say, well, what led up to it? Well, they did this one thing. And then I exploded. If you're exploding, there's a whole chain of events
1: mm-hmm.
0: before the explosion that can be controlled for.
1: God, you like, you are hitting on something that a therapist took me through in 2003. Wow. That like, I still think about to this day, because really? I'm describing like a, a situation that went. South really quickly, and she's yeah. like, "Take me back to yeah, six o'clock that night." Exactly. Yeah. Okay, I got yeah. it.
0: Yeah, it's a. This is a really well validated and common tool, and it's really mm-hmm. eye opening. Like totally, that's interesting. Was it effective at the time, or oh were you frustrated? Yeah, it's
1: changed my. I still think about it. Yeah, I still think about like, okay, go back to like when you first had that like feeling. Right. Like, yeah.
0: And it might be, and it's totally okay. Like it might, you might not know, like it might take a couple of times for you to look at it, for you to be able to say like, oh, okay. There are things in my environment that I can control for. Right. So in this case, it might be like, I was super stressed at work. I hadn't slept the night before. I hadn't actually eaten since breakfast. So I was starving. So making the dinner was charged already. And I had a fight with my wife before that about like the car or something dumb that's not related. And so I was like already feeling, you know, off. Yeah. And then um, you list the chain of events that actually happened like in the incident, like, okay, so kids sat down at the table. So I made dinner kids sat down at the table. She threw it in my face, didn't like it. I blew up and screamed for 20 minutes until she cried. What exactly were the consequences? She cried the, you know, the kid's mom got mad. We then had another fight after we had already had a fight that day. I slept on the couch and then we had to spend two sessions in couples therapy talking about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can break that down into long-term and short-term. Sometimes people do that. Then you brainstorm some new behaviors to replace the ones that are ineffective. And again, this is without shame, right? It's not like the point of this is to move beyond shame. It's not to sit in shame that you yelled at your kids. It's like, okay, what else could you do? When, if you have gotten to the point where you need to explode, maybe you go outside, maybe you take a walk, maybe you remove yourself from the situation, Um, whatever. So you can make a whole list of those, then make a prevention plan. And just like you did, right. Make the, have the kids decide, right. What are the five things that, they'll, that they will both eat, that they overlap. And this is what we're going to, we're not going to have this conversation anymore. Um, then you make a prevention plan to reduce your vulnerability in the future. Mm-hmm. So once you've identified the chain of events that led up to the explosion, you see that there are certain things in there that are actually within your control. Mm-hmm. So making sure that you are exercising and sleeping well and eating at the right time three times a day is a way to control for explosion later because those things are make you more vulnerable you can't the other thing you see that's really interesting is that there are things in that chain you can't control right but you can prevent against the explosion right
1: well right you know the best laid plans right often you know don't work out but maybe when you're in that situation and you kind of hear the alarm bell you can say okay you know what we're going to order takeout like right like Yes, exactly. This is, we're going to pivot here. Because yes. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of. Yeah.
0: Right. And I know if I make myself make this meal and then one person does any one thing I'm going to blow up. Right. Right. And then, and then all of a sudden you're in this place where like the circumstances actually haven't changed. You have to keep making dinner for your kids. You're going to be stressed out sometimes, but now you have all this empowerment and knowledge because you know exactly which pieces of this you can control, you know, how to pivot and when, and you have a plan that everyone knows about. Right. Because it's like, here's, here's, here's this issue that we're dealing with as a family. It's my problem. Cause we also like internalize and then we're like, well, I'm yelling. So I need to fix this myself. And it's like, well, yes and no, you're yelling because of all these other things. And so bringing in your family into helping you fix this and making a plan will be, you don't have to try to fix this in isolation. In fact, that often doesn't work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the last one is just make a plan to repair and correct the harm that was done. So you yelled at your kids for 20 minutes. They cried, right? Obviously that's not okay. How are you going to repair Um, and then that gives you the knowledge and the wherewithal, which actually takes some of the charge out of the frustration, typically in the, in the moment to like, okay, if I do yell, right. My goal is not to become perfect. If I do yell this, now I know what to do to repair it. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I love it. Yeah. What are you laughing at? Because it's just, it's very like strategic. It's not, you know, which takes the shame out of it. Like it's, it's, um. It's a plan. It, it's right. control in a good way.
0: Right. When we have shame in the way we can't even look at what we're doing. Right. So it's like you, you're, you know, I'm, I'm yelling at my kids. Like, I, I don't want to talk about how, I don't want to be the kind of person that yells at my kids. I don't want it to do. And then you're not talking about what's happening. Right. You're talking about the shame about what's happening. And it's like, okay, but what, what is happening? How is this going down? What can you do about it? what are the pieces you can control and what are the pieces you can't? Yeah. When you take the shame out of it, you also then can't say, this is all my fault. I'm a bad parent. Right. Right. Which is what it, that's what happened. I'm like not articulating this well, but when you act out of fear and then you try to obliterate the fear with shame and take all the responsibility, you just end up breeding more fear. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like I'm not making sense. There's something there and it's like super important.
1: You are. I think she did. She made me do this tool. It was the mm-hmm. exact same thing.
0: Yep. Yeah. Behavior chain analysis.
1: And it, was, it was empowering.
0: Yep. It's great. It's great. So figure, so, so pick a problem behavior okay. and try to look at it this way, instead of from the, like, I shouldn't be feeling this way, which might actually make it easier to identify. Okay. Cause you're stripping the shame away and being like, okay, what am I doing that I want to stop doing? Okay. Um, What's happening? How can I change? Yeah.
1: Okay. Work around.
0: Yeah. I think so. Sometimes you need to fill in the detail, you know, like, yeah, I'm obsessed with this idea that like, if you don't build a bridge to the thing, you can't make that change. Right. So it's important to understand what's coming up and getting in the way, you know,
1: and it's important to try and approach it in different ways too. Like, yep. Totally. Tools are going to make people want to run out of the room. Right. You know?
0: Right. Which is relevant. That's important data. And then it's like, okay, so how can we come at this? Like you said, from a different perspective. Right. Okay. So the reason I didn't want to do a tool today was because I wanted to talk about something dark. Okay. Because remember that article that came out in April, that was like, we are all languishing. That's the kind of emotion of 2021. And languishing is sort of the author described it as like, who's a psychologist? I can't remember his name. Um, we can find it. Um, he was talking about, um, Languishing is kind of the middle range of mental illness, right? So it's not thriving, but it's also not depression. And so, and we don't talk about it a lot because it's not the most extreme in either case. We often talk about thriving. We often talk about depression, but in April, it was like, most people were feeling this vague, like lack of concentration, lack of motivation, all this stuff. And so he wrote this article in the New York times, I think
1: that was Adam Grant.
0: Adam Grant. Yes.
1: And he says, um, the neglected middle child mental health can dull your motivation and focus. And it may be the dominant emotion of 2021.
0: Yep, It's a great article. It's great. Beautifully written. Um, and really important. We are no longer languishing in my opinion, we are in existential angst, which I think is different than depression. We are, I've had like eight conversations about suicide and it's Thursday morning. Wow. Just this week. Wow. And I think like, the, so the reason that I want to talk about this is because we don't do it in this culture, right? Like existentialism, existential angst, we throw those words around, but we don't really talk about them unless you're taking a philosophy class and that's not enough. Yeah. Other cultures talk about it a lot, but the idea of an existential crisis is that it's a crisis of meaning, right? Everything feels meaningless. And in existentialism, that is meant to be. Sartre wrote this beautiful. Sartre wrote this beautiful um, lecture called "Existentialism is a Humanism," where he talks about how starting with that belief, right, that life is meaningless, is actually a really that can become a very. It's a humanistic thing, right? It is. It can be very hopeful and empowering, but it feels disempowering. Sometimes you have to go into the darkness in and to find the light, you know. And, um, existential therapy is on the rise. Um, it's a thing, right. You can find an existential therapist, um, to talk about meaning with, um, but I wanted to kind of like float that out there because everyone that I talked to about this is freaked out that they're feeling this way because we don't talk about this kind of crisis in this culture because it's scary. Yeah. And we need to understand there's a difference between thinking about suicide because the world feels meaningless and being suicidal. Okay. Which is to have an active plan to kill yourself. Right. Thinking about suicide, especially during a time like this is completely normal. Okay. And it is, it can be a hopeful place to look at this fact of meaninglessness, even though it doesn't feel like it.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> so yes. It's like, I don't know. But I, and I think this is like a lot of what we talk about, like it's very tricky to talk about, this is the thing right now, right? Like the question that I've been talking to people about is like, why are we doing, why are we doing this? Why are we
1: anything?
0: Yeah. Why? Why are we, why are we living? Why, why? Wow. It's okay to ask that question. I had a grad professor, Simon Critchley, he's genius, brilliant, charismatic person who used to say human, human beings are the only beings for whom being is an issue. (laughs) Right. Like we have the beautiful capacity and sometimes crushing capacity to consider whether it's worth being alive. Right. Squirrels don't do that.
1: Right.
0: Animals have a lot more cognitive capacity than we thought. Right. But they don't sit around like fretting about whether to keep going or end it all. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I think like when we can look at that question without so much fear. Yeah. It can actually be a really life changing place. The existentialism be- begins with this idea that life has no meaning, and often people just just drop it there because why would I, <laughs> why would I want to continue thinking about how life has no meaning, right? But that's only the first half of the sentence. It's life has no meaning, comma, except for the meaning that we assign to it. Wow. So ultimately by stopping, trying to find meaning externally, you end up being able to empower yourself to create it yourself. Okay. So you were talking a couple of weeks ago about disruptors, right? When we were talking about like PJs, you know, like (laughs) disruptors are taking the paintbrush. I think I always think of Kandinsky because I did a lot of research on, um, abstract expressionism. At one point in college, I was really fascinated with the philosophy behind it because it was just like, no, I'm not doing representational art anymore. I'm representing the world in a way that's different. Mm-hmm. And that was wildly destructive. And people said, this is not art, you know, but it requires that you drop all of the like trappings of the tradition you belong in, which is really scary right. and exciting. And that's how we have newness, and rebellion. There's a lot of positive energy in this space of life has no meaning.
1: That's fascinating.
0: And I think for a lot of us, we're we're like, okay, so <laughs> this is also at the heart of moral injury, right? And, and the heart of all trauma, I think, is an existential crisis because it's not just about the thing that happened. It's about what that shattered in your belief system. Yeah. Right. So like, I used to think that only, you know, that if you did all the right things that nothing bad would happen to you and you live a long, like, you know, luxurious life or whatever, not without challenges, but not, not, you know, big challenges wouldn't you'd be spared from, cause that's how it works. So then when that does happen, you have to question all those thoughts. And when we can't look at the darkness really for what it is, you just collapse.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think like, We are in a very precarious place right now and people are feeling really hopeless because the environment is falling apart and we're really seeing climate change. California is on fire. The the West Coast is on fire and dry and the East Coast is drowning. Mm -hmm. And we are in round 75 of the pandemic, which is ceaseless because our political system is broken and we have forgotten how to think critically. It's dark and I don't want to bypass that. We have to start there.
1: Okay.
0: And it's okay to be recognizing that dark. It's okay to be scared of that dark. It's an unfamiliar place. We've been plunged into it. There's light there. There's a way out. Yeah. There is energy in the darkness. We have to take the reins, you know, (laughs) what are you thinking?
1: I just need to think about this. I mean, yeah, it's big. It's big. It's a lot.
0: Yeah. I always find the, I always find it calm to get to the micro. Yeah. Right. So this is why, like, I know tiny little joys feel silly, but sometimes the only fucking good thing in your day, in your week, in your life is a sunbeam. Right. And if you can really tune into that, that sunbeam can become an anchor Mm -hmm. and one that makes you reprioritize everything. Because you see, yes, there's this big darkness and also there's still light in here. Yeah. We're still laughing. Like yeah. there's still joy.
1: Right. That's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. Okay. But I'm
0: worried about us because we don't talk about this. And so that's why I wanted to talk about it.
1: Well, you have such an interesting perspective because you talk to so many people. So you really have your finger on the pulse of
0: how it is, where we are. Yeah. Right. What's yeah.
1: happening collectively. Yeah. Yeah. Emotionally.
0: Yeah. And there have been these very distinct, like waves of, like, okay, like I could, I feel like I could safely say, like, it's still a small sample size, but like it's very diverse, you know? So it's like, no, no, everyone's feeling this way. Yeah, so sort
1: there's of something to it. Right. Right.
0: Right. Every conversation that I'm having is the same. And that's how I'm feeling too. Right. Like we've, I've, I don't think I even realized this, but this whole year, all of 2021, like the hope has been very precarious for me. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Well, because it gets like snatched away in in an instant. And then you're just like, okay, here we are again.
0: Right, right.
1: yeah, Yeah.
0: So again, like this is my prescription, Dr. McDonald, (laughs) (laughs) not the right, my philosophical prescription is to lean out of scab picking and lean into tiny little joy and just hold on for as long as you can. Okay. Because. There's energy there. Those tiny things are not actually tiny. Right. And stop picking the scabs. You can't fight every battle. You can't, like we can, I've, we were talking about this the other week and I don't think I ever circled back to his name, but Dan Tomasulo was talking about research that you, we can handle 15 minutes of media, news media until our, our nervous system becomes dysregulated. Mm-hmm. And the news is everywhere. If you're on TikTok, there's news. If you're on Instagram, there's news. So figure out how to reprioritize your life so that you're outside and looking at flowers and having conversations with people about music and like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're not languishing. We're in existential crisis. Or we're not, I, I don't mean to correct him. I think we were languishing for a long time. I think now we're leaning into something else. There's another yeah,
1: way, it's you a know, phase,
0: right. Yeah. And and that's okay. Yep. We, we can do that. You're right. Remember life is beautiful. That movie. Oh my God. Viktor Frankl wrote um, man's search for meaning. Like people have been in the dark before. We're not, this is not the first time. Yeah. We can do this. Okay but going back to one other thing that does make it really important to dip in and out when you're also doing hard work on top of like all of this stuff, like you need to like unplug and watch cartoons yeah, and eat like cereal with your hands on the floor. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah. Whatever it takes.
0: Hypothetically, not that I've done that this week. (laughs) Just now (laughs) (laughs) sitting on the floor with bowl of Cheerios. Um, Okay. Do you have a tiny little joy?
1: (laughs) I do. I do. Um, my tiny little joy this week is that I have, um, because of my TMJ therapy, I I've been instructed to think about like, you know, my pillow at night and how I'm sleeping and what I'm doing and how I'm holding my head and everything. And I love to read before I fall asleep. And I've been reading on my iPad for, I think I've read like Something like 28 fiction books this year already. Like I'm just Uh like I'm a voracious like reader. Yeah. But this week I decided to switch to Audible instead. Uh And just before I fall asleep to like, you know, have like someone telling me a story like in my head. It's such a like a beautiful, like wonderful thing. (laughs) It's the best. Even though like I fall asleep and then I have to re-listen to it after the next night. But, um, and I'm listening to, yeah, I'm going to embarrass myself, but the, um, make it nice by Dorinda Medley. Oh yes. I love that. Is it good? Yeah. Well, it was just her voice, you know? Yeah. So like, and you think she's a friend anyway, cause you think right. like you know her and you, right. you know, um, but it's, it's been a treat. It's been like a delight. Oh, that's so funny. Sleep with Dorinda in my head. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to tag her. Hi, Dorinda. Yeah.
0: We're coming to the Berkshires. The house is fabulous.
1: I know. <laughs> I, something about her, I'm just crazy about.
0: I know. She reminds me of mom a lot.
1: Yeah. And for no, like, there's no connection there at all. But, but I something. think
0: they'd be friends. Maybe that's the thing. Yeah. Like, they would get along on all levels.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She's very authentic. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a great one.
1: <laughs> so I'm not holding the iPad, so I'm not crunched up. I'm not, yeah. you know, and it's, yeah. it's, it's passive. But yeah. It's joyful.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. Being read to is like the best. I know. Yeah. They need to do a thing. Do you have an Apple watch or a Fitbit or anything like that? They need to do something where they, they, sync. Cause your Apple watch knows when you, when you fall asleep. Right. Yeah. So like, they need to sync that with the thing so that you, like it could keep playing the story, but like, it would tell you like, go back to minute, you know what I mean? <laughs> go back to page 37. Cause that's when you started. Exactly. <laughs> 35. Cause you were sleeping actively at 37. So you probably weren't listening anymore two pages before, you know?
1: Yeah. That would be brilliant.
0: It is. Yeah. That's, you know, I just had this, idea. yeah. Being read to is the best and you, we like, yeah. Okay. Sorry. We should do like a project where you like read stories to people and they can like listen.
1: It's very comforting.
0: It is super comforting when I'm thinking of like people in, in coat, you know, having COVID and like either being at home and alone and isolated or in the hospital, like we could read to them. Read your favorite story. Anyway, um, that's great. Okay, mine is small, but it's not, but it's not small. I got a new camera. You did? Yeah.
1: Like a camera camera? Like a camera camera. Wow.
0: Like a fancy camera. I'll show it to you.
1: Um for you.
0: I had a I got a DSLR in um 2006 because we we took a trip to Santa Fe after Dad died oh, yeah. and I loved it and it broke after you know I had it for a long time and it broke and I just never got a new one because they're expensive and whatever um but I got a new fancy one
1: oh nice it's you're an a Nikon. great photographer it's a Nikon
0: it's a Nikon like Dad's old one yeah, um yeah. and I am like oh I have no card no pictures on the card anymore. I like getting into, I mean, this, this goes back to like the scale of things, right? Like I was taking pictures. I had like, you know, 10 minutes between sessions the other day and I was cutting strawberries. And then I was taking this picture has a, a macro lens, a micro lens, whatever. I think it's called a macro lens, but you can zoom in like ridiculously close to a thing. So you can, I was taking pictures of bees the other day and you can like see their fuzz and like their wing, wow. and, like the whole thing. And then I was taking pictures of strawberries and it's like taking a Xanax, like, <laughs> <laughs> There's something about getting into the smallness of things through a camera lens.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: That's like just completely calming.
1: Yeah, I love
0: you that. I, yeah. So that's my tiny little joy. So now I carry it everywhere and just take pictures of it, and I don't put them anywhere. Like it's not. It's literally just. I'm sure I'll put pictures somewhere at some point, but it's like just for me.
1: It's just for the experience. Right. Yeah.
0: And I'm going to yeah, use the camera certain- for all sorts of work stuff as well. But like yeah. you know, cool. Yeah,
1: you've always loved that.
0: I have, and I like. I was sad that I. I'm sad now, thinking like, man, I, I went. I didn't have one for a really long time because I was like, oh, that's too expensive a thing. Which they're expensive for sure, but like, it's, but it's
1: it's creative. It's creativity. It's which is hugely important.
0: Yeah. And just, I think you start to see the world differently when you're, I, I start to see the world differently when I've been taking pictures.
1: And you're also like finding another way to get back to yourself. Totally. I love that.
0: Yeah. It's really, it's really, really fun. So that's a tiny little joy. That's huge. Yeah.
1: Congratulations. Thank you. you. It's exciting. Okay. I think that's it. Okay. So we're doing the breakdown tool. Yes. Call it. (laughs)
0: The breakdown tool. Yes. <laughs> um, behavior chain analysis. Okay. BCA.
1: All right. Sounds good.
0: Okay, cool. All right. Thanks for listening. Um, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.